Welcome back, everybody, to Duval Till We Pod. My name's Daniel Griffiths. With me, as always, our good friend JC. I uh, today I'll ask, how are you doing, my friend? Nobody cares. Well, probably true. If you want to uh, to to talk about what we're going to get into today, uh, so we believe it or not, actually have Jaguars free agency news uh, to dive into in today's episode. Believe it or not, we actually signed three players from other rosters with a rumored of an old friend maybe coming back to town. And then uh, Daniel and I are going to waste everyone's time with something that is going to be completely inaccurate and not predictive of the future. Uh, we are going to go through a full seven-round Jags mock uh, where we are going to take turns uh, making picks for the Jags. And I have graciously awarded my friend the – First round pick, so he'll get to go first. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's going to be fun, and we're going to, like I said, we're going to talk about these free agency signings that are not going to make any impact at all. We're going to talk about our old friend that's not going to sign with us, and then we're going to make really bad picks on our mock draft. So keep listening because it's only going to get better from here. <laughs> it's uh, at least we have something to talk about today. You know, last weekend was kind of like, okay, this is what all the other teams are doing. These are guys that we could target. Uh, they haven't targeted any of them, really. Um, Sean Murphy Bunting signed with the Titans. Uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson signed with the Lions. And the Jaguars still continue to kind of sit on their hands. But they did make three signings all in one day. They uh, Within like an hour of each other. <laughs> They decided, well, we, we might start calling some players here. So they signed. <laughs> this $4 million was burning a hole in Trent Mulkey's pockets. <laughs> yeah. They, oh, uh, also quick mention, they did create $6 million in cap space uh, by restructuring fully for Dukasi. Um, they uh, gave him a, a bonus as well as they restructured uh, his deal and added three void years to kind of create some extra cap. As of Today we had ten million dollars in cap. I'm not sure if that's before or after the three signings we made, but uh, yeah, the Jaguars went out and they signed running back uh, Darius Johnson and two defensive linemen, Michael Dogby and Henry Mondo. Yeah, so uh, obviously, so let's kind of we'll go in order from least to maybe most intriguing. Uh, so Henry Mondo is coming from the New York Giants. Um, defensive end, uh, played his college ball at Oregon. Don't know a ton about him. Uh, obviously, nothing, no disrespect to Henry. I just don't know a lot about him. Um, seen a little bit of some highlights of his, seems to bring some traits to the table. He, he's, a, he's a pretty big fella. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, I don't know much about him. Uh, and then my second most would be kind of Michael Dogby uh, coming over from the Arizona Cardinals, played his college ball at Temple. Uh, he had some really nice things on the highlights that I saw. Um, really, really strong hands, um, adds very valuable depth uh, to the defensive line. Um, I feel like maybe he's more of the Smoot replacement, not the Arden Key replacement based on kind of – where I expect him to fall in the depth chart. Um, and then the most intriguing and exciting one to me is Darnus Johnson, uh, running back coming over from the Cleveland Browns. Um, he hasn't had a ton of opportunities uh, in his career. He only carried the ball four times in 2022 for 17 yards. Uh, but in his defense, he's, he's behind two Pro Bowl caliber running backs in Cleveland uh, over the past couple of years uh, behind Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb. Uh, he had his best career season in 2021 when he got 100 carries, uh, for ran for 534 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, for his career in limited opportunities, he's averaged over five yards per carry. So he's obviously got some ability, uh, played his college ball at South Florida uh, with Willie Taggart. Uh, Willie Taggart, I watched a kind of a path to the draft type video today of his that told his story. Um, very inspirational guy. Had a son while he was going to USF. 
um, and was able to kind of be the best version of a dad and college football player that he was able to be. Willie Taggart um, had a quote saying that every time now that he coaches a running back, he is looking for qualities that DeHernis Johnson had um, on and off the field. Uh, he got his – he got a couple of pro chances, bounced around, got cut, um, ended up playing in the Amer- Allegiance of American football uh, for the Orlando Apollos and was their kind of starting tailback and did really well there. And then, unfortunately, not even a full season in, that league shut down. And, uh, you know, then he ends up in Cleveland. Um and was able to be there for the last three seasons. And like I said, when limited opportunities behind two pro bowlers, but when he's gotten them, uh, he's done some really nice things. And I think it's kind of fair to assume that as of today, he would probably be above Snoop Connor on our running back depth chart in that third spot and uh, a big contributor on special teams, which I think somebody put out a tweet saying that he had played like 600 and something special team snaps over the last three years in Cleveland. And, you know, Doug Peterson mentioned at the Combine that he was looking for a running back to add to the room that could help out on special teams. Um, Because, obviously, Travis Etienne is not playing on special teams. You don't want him to. Uh, And Jermichael Hasty, I don't think, helps much there either. So, you're looking for a guy who can not only add value to the room, but also help you on special teams. So, of those three, uh, Dernis Johnson is definitely the most uh, likely to have some impact and the most exciting one as a fan. Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, I'll be honest, I don't know too much, uh, not, not much, really much anything at all about uh, Henry Mondo, so I, I don't think it's fair for me to to comment, but, um, you know, Dogby's a guy, I remember coming out in the draft, um, coming from Temple, and I looked up what his RAS was before this podcast, and he's sitting at 9.01, so super athletic guy, he's uh, a little bit of a bigger type body, Um a little bit of a bigger end so that's uh that's going to be you know nice depth player i don't expect him to see the field a whole lot um you mentioned smoot um i i'm not even sure he sees the field that much i expect us to be in on pass rushers in this nfl draft um so i i would imagine that he'll probably be fighting for a a spot when the uh when it when it comes to you know limit cutting guys to the 53-man roster. Um, I, but I, I think Ernest Johnson has a real shot to make the roster as our RB3. He's going to be fighting against Snoop Connor. He's got to Michael Hasty there, RB2. Um, you know, obviously, Travis Etienne is the starting running back, but it's, it's you know, it's open, fairly open behind him. Um, with this move, I kind of doubt that the, run, the, the Jaguars go running back in the NFL draft. Who knows? They have nine picks um i hope we don't pick nine players so we'll see you know where they decide to go which directions they decide to go but uh i think the jaguars probably feel pretty good with where they're at at running back right now um so i i think that they help themselves to where they don't have to make a move um but i i still think that it's probably open on the table but uh you know i'm excited for what Darius johnson can bring he's he's had a good nfl career so far he's not exactly the most fat, uh, the fastest or most dynamic guy, um, but he's a guy that can, can come in, get you some yards, uh, and, and work for you on special teams. Yeah, and um, you know the the running back room was something that uh, we needed to address. Uh, we needed to add some kind of experience there, uh, maybe a different body type than what you get with Jamichael Hasty to be kind of a guy off the bench. Uh, like I said, he's had success and limited opportunities. Um, of the three signings, you feel the most possibility out of uh, Darnus Johnston. And uh, like I said, guy with a really cool story, a local guy that, you know, you're just happy to see uh, get to stay in the league and a uh, guy that you expect to bring some positive things to the franchise. And speaking of guys who have brought positive things to the franchise, the what a segue. The ja- I'm a master. Uh, the Jaguars had a visit today, um, Thursday, 323, as we're recording this podcast, uh, with Calais Campbell. Hopefully we don't sign him by the time I'm able to get this podcast out, <laughs> so it means something. But uh, I guess you get our raw, uh, our raw opinions here. 
and thoughts on, on, on him visiting. I'm totally open to it. Um, I don't have any disdain for any of the former Jaguars players, whether it's Ramsey or Ngakwe or Dante Fowler or, or I want them all back. I want them all back. Um, (laughs) I'm fine with any of them coming back. It's just, it's obviously got to be, you know, for the right pay amount. Um, And then, you know, putting them in the right situations to succeed, I think is also important. I, I think that Jaguar fans would be foolish to expect Calais Campbell to come in here and be the type of player that he was in 2017-2018. I I don't think he's going to be the guy that's going to come in here and get, you know, 14 sacks. I I think that we're probably past that point. Um, And you'd also like the Jaguars to uh, use him probably more sparingly than they did in in years past. I, I don't expect them to roll Calais out there every single play we do have a much better um we have a really good solid young roster behind him we'll see what eventually happens behind or or with the Josh Allen uh, ordeal whether we sign him to an extension tag him let him walk I'm not really sure what the plan is as of right now but you've got Josh Allen you've got Trayvon Walker you've got Roy Robertson Harris we'll see if Caleb Lon Chason decides to turn the light on this year um I expect him to still be on the roster, but, uh, you know, Calais Campbell's definitely a, a, about as best as you can have as a locker room guy. Um, fantastic dude. Um, adds some size to, to our, uh, D line talent. Um, and I, I would certainly be on board with signing, signing him to a, to a short, um, short term deal. Yeah. It's funny how the, the vibe on Twitter today changed when the news of that visit uh, first came out, because when the off season first started, you know, Calais Campbell was released by Baltimore pretty early. Uh, you know, like I think before the league year started. And of course you had people saying, uh, you know, bring the mayor home and, and things like that. And then you had the people who were, uh, oh, he's old, you know, we don't need to just bring him back for nostalgia. This team is ascending and blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. Um, I was not one of those people. Um, I've been open to bringing him back since the moment we traded him, uh, basically because he was so good for our franchise and our city. You know, I love Arden Key, but Arden Key talks about changing the city of Jacksonville. Uh, Clayus Campbell actually did do things to help change the city of Jacksonville and make it a better place. Um, he still can go, you know, he's 36 years old, but if you bring in a guy on a two-year deal, let him finish his career as a Jaguar and he gives you 20 snaps a game, 25 and plays like on him and you put him in, in situations and impactful moments. Um, he, he's going to produce, I mean, he's still Calais Campbell. He's still. I remember the first time I saw him in person at a game and I was completely overwhelmed by how big Calais Campbell was. Um, he's a mountain of a man who can still help your team win ball games. Um, and the story of him coming back would be huge. I mean, how many former players, you know, get cut or get traded and, you know, happily return to where their old stomping grounds were, um, you know, it's believed by most that we traded Calais kind of, as a favor to him and kind of, you know, in, in, in kudos with him to send him to a contender at the time. Cause we weren't. Um, so we did write by Cali- uh, Calais. So it would make sense for him to want to come back. Um, he visited Atlanta just a few days ago. Uh, and then the news broke today that he was in Jackson. It was actually broke by uh, someone who's not in the media <laughs> first um, at Blake Andrew eight uh, on Twitter had the first tweet today. Shout out. Uh, yeah. Shout out at one uh, twenty eight Eastern time said Calais is in the building sources. <laughs> and, uh, and then Della shared it and said, and shared a text message saying her Jag's going to meet with Calais saying heard similar for what it's worth. Um, and so obviously after that Twitter erupted and then Demetrius Harvey of Jacksonville.com shared out, um, 
that he had a source that told him that Calais was in Jacksonville today and met with the Jaguars. And then, um, you know, kind of some of those guys on 1010 talked about it and confirmed it again with other sources. And, um, you know, Michael Duraco said that his source confirmed that the meeting went very well and no contract had been offered yet. Um, yet being the key word. Um, but that, you know, apparently things went well. Um, he's got a decision to make. It wouldn't shock me to see him um, return to Jacksonville. Uh, also wouldn't shock me to see him return back to Baltimore and try to run it back with those guys. Now that he's kind of fished out there in the free agency market to see what's available. Um, you know, nothing that would go against good things for the Jaguars would surprise me. So it wouldn't surprise me to see him go elsewhere. Uh, but it'd be a great story, and it also would be beneficial on the field. It wouldn't just be a feel-good story. It would be something that would actually help make our our football team better. And, you know, as a good friend of mine likes to say, good football players are a good thing to have. And, and I think the Jaguars have the leg up on Baltimore because Baltimore's still in the situation with Lamar where it's like, okay, what, what's going on? And by each day, I think Lamar becomes more resentful of Baltimore. And by each day, Baltimore, Baltimore's hand gets better and better as the cards are dealt. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see what happens there. Baltimore has um, all the cards in their hand, but the opposing player doesn't want to play. So it's kind of... Uh, it's kind of interesting to see where that goes. I think that's probably going to be the biggest story that in the Aaron Rodgers fiasco, which is a, a, a much more simple uh, thing to solve. I think, I, I think that that's a solely Rogers thing going on right now. Um, he's trying to figure out what he wants. Uh, I think the Lamar situation is a lot more complicated um, and it's a lot more complicated for Baltimore too. Cause if he does go to another team what does Baltimore do at quarterback? Are they going to roll with Pro Bowl quarterback Tyler Huntley, um, or do they look for look at the draft and figure out, uh, you know, if, if they want to get one of these guys? Say, say the Colts want to get involved in this and they trade four in next year's first. Do, does Baltimore go and get Anthony Richardson, who who would probably play in a similar style offense, at least to to start off his career? So I think that that's going to be probably the story of the offseason as it develops. But as of right now, it is much ado about nothing between Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, as uh, as talks have not really gone anywhere in uh, of recent uh, recent times. You want to you want to hop right into the uh, the mock draft? Yeah, and we can and just to like back up your point, like uh, Jacksonville right now, as of this date, is in a better quarterback situation than Baltimore. Um, and Calais went out of his way after the Baltimore Jacksonville game to talk about how good Trevor Lawrence is and how good he can be. Uh, so you definitely see some admiration there. Um, Jeff Darlington, by the way, said that OBJ is probably going to sign with the Jets. So I don't know if you caught that today. I did. Um, Yep, he said that uh, on a get up or whatever, he said that they're basically just working out the financials and that he believes OBJ and Aaron Rodgers will both end up with the Jets. And what's interesting about that That's gonna is, is that they'll still lose to the Bills and not win the division. <laughs> and Miami. That yeah. Miami roster is and, loaded. And then they'll probably also uh, drop another division game because it'll be a, like a powder keg and they'll probably lose to Mac Jones once and and they'll and uh continue to just be a hilarious story. They better I hope think, Aaron Rodgers is better than he ever has been. Yep. When he's the oldest he's ever been. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's going to be interesting. All right, so mock draft time. The so Jags are about to be on the clock here at 24. We're using uh, mock draft NFL mock draft database. Um, I think that we both probably agree that it's the most uh, kept up to date in terms of wh where players will probably go. Um, it changes daily. Um, so I, I think that this is probably the best mock to use as of right now. Shout out NFL mock draft database. 
Um, but I, I think that the uh, the other mocks certainly have merit as well. Um, so we're going to go ahead and go in. So we're doing this live. So we have no idea who's going to be there for us at, uh, at 24. I am sharing the screen with JC so we can uh, he, he can see who's available for, for when I select the wrong player. Bryce Oak, number one to Carolina. <laughs> Which is hopefully, not what I expect to happen. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully all of the quarterbacks aren't there. The only thing that I think that the database does get wrong is that you see C.J. Stroud, is, Anthony Richardson still available at 24. So yeah. they haven't quite – and we're not doing any trades with this. We're going to just pick it clean. Um, so right now Daniel is – trying very hard to not take Anthony Richardson at number 24 for the Jaguars. Um, he's not going to let his Florida fandom get in the way. <laughs> so do you, you want to talk about uh, who's available that tickles your fancy and who you're actually considering at the pick? Sure. So uh, at the top of the board, we've got Anthony Richardson and Bijan Robinson. As much as I love them independently, um, I don't think that they're probably the right picks for the Jaguars. Uh, as fun as Bijan Robinson and Travis Etienne would be, uh, we'd have the best backfield in the NFL. Um, but moving on down, you've got Brian Branch, uh, safety from Alabama, uh, Michael Mayer, uh, Notre Dame tight end, Brian Brzee, and Kalijah Cansey, a defensive line. You've got Cam Smith, the corner from South Carolina. You've got some decent uh, offensive tackle talent here, Darnell Wright and Anton Harrison. Uh, as well as uh, Dewan Jones, you've got some more cornerback here with Emmanuel Forbes. And then some edge players, you've got Will McDonald, Felix Anadike Ozuma, uh, Keon White, and uh, Adebora as well from Northwestern. But I, I think here, I, I think that this is probably pretty easy for me. I'm just going to take the best player who I think the best player is. Uh, aside from Anthony Richardson and, and Bijan Robinson, ignoring them, I'm going to take uh, safety nickel corner and safety uh, from Alabama, uh, Brian Branch. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's kind of a no-brainer pick. He's been a darling of Jaguars draft Twitter, I think, since we were like two and six at one point this season, and people started looking ahead a little bit before the team started to catch some fire. Um, but he does so many things well. He can fit right in and start at nickel corner day one. Um, and then, you know, does he stay at nickel corner or does he maybe replace Rayshon Jenkins down the road and move to a more traditional safety role? Um, but I think his versatility is what makes him special and what would make him kind of an instant impact guy. You're up on the clock, 56. All right. 56th overall pick. All right, so we go nickel corner at 24th, Brian Branch. So now other needs for the Jags, you know, could you you could still take a corner, an outside corner, um, edge rusher, interior offensive line, um, offensive tackle, tight end, lots of good players available. I'm looking at Julius Brents with big heart-shaped eyes right now, even though we already addressed DB um, just because I love him so much. Um you know, do you go tight end this early uh, with a guy like Sam Laporta out of Iowa uh, who's available? Um, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to go ahead and shore up left guard for the next decade, and I am going to take the toothless wonder, uh, Cody Motch, interior office lineman from North Dakota State. So I'm going to take it 56th overall for the Jags. Um, he's just – he's a nasty son of a gun. He's a man-eater. I don't care that they're giving me a B-plus for the pick. It's an A-plus in my heart. Um, he's going to do so many things well. He's probably going to be a day-one starter at left guard um, in between Cam Robinson and Luke Fortner. Uh, he's going to put Tyler Shatley back into his more natural role as our sixth offensive lineman. Um, you know, and he he's, he's just a guy that's going to – do a lot of nasty things uh, and continue to make that offensive line a priority to protect Trevor. So at 88, I'm back on the clock. We, uh, our best player on the board is offensive tackle from Syracuse, Matthew Bergeron. You just took Cody mock who I think has uh, interior O line play and, uh, and tackle play if needed. Um, 
I think he he could probably do that. He played some tackle at North Dakota State. He's got that flexibility. So I'm not really looking tackle. Jags like Bergeron. Jags like Bergeron, though. Phil Roster worked him out at his pro day. Yeah, I imagine Uh, they would. Yeah, Jags are fans of Bergeron, which um, if we didn't go Mach 56, I'd be very happy with Bergeron at 88. So uh, I've got a couple of tight ends here on the board, Sam Laporta and Tucker Craft, Iowa and South Dakota State, respectively. Um, I've already took nickel, so I'm not looking at Sidney Brown for Illinois. Javon Dexter from Florida mm-hmm. is a guy that I'm really love. Javon, here. Um, you know, if you want to talk about your meat and potatoes, getting Cody Mock and Javon Dexter, whoo, those are two big nasties, beefy. And then you've got Zach Harrison here on the board, who I don't think will be here uh, at 88. I also don't expect Javon Dexter to be here at 88 as, as well. Uh, and then some receivers here. I don't think the Jaguars go receiver this high, but uh, Kayshawn Bote and Cedric Tillman, who I love, are both here. But for me, I think I'm going to take Javon Dexter here. Um, Jaguars, Jaguars need some weight on that defensive line. They don't really have too much size. I think uh, they were one of the lighter defensive uh, lines in the NFL this year. Um, you know, pairing Javon Dexter up, you got Foley Fotukasi already. And uh, Devon Hamilton also got Devon Hamilton. I think Roy Robertson Harris. I think that adding Javon Dexter uh, to an already pretty solid defensive line would do wonders. Calais Campbell. Uh, we hope. I mean, you're getting pretty beefy up there on that. Hidden Hooker still available, which is a travesty. I know he's old, but I love Hidden Hooker. It's like I'm just a football fan. Yeah, the first round talk though this week is getting a little out of hand. No, not going to happen. So we're moving right along here. Uh, Jags are going to be back on the clock here with me picking with their first um, pick of the fourth round. Uh, we have an additional fourth round pick this year from a trade with the Bucks last year. Um, it's hard for me. That, to me, this is would you normally be Taji Spears territory for me, but given our signing of Darnus Johnson this week um, and the fact that it looks like he's already off the board, uh, would make that difficult for me. So if we go up, back up to look, so far we've addressed nickel corner with Brian Branch out of Alabama. We addressed our open guard spot uh, with Cody Mach out of North Dakota State. And then Daniel just took Javon Dexter uh, to short up the middle of that defensive line from Florida. So I'm looking at a couple of guys. I'm looking at Darius Rush, corner from South Carolina, the other corner opposite of Cam Smith. Um, do you want to go ahead and add in another corner? Because – Darius Williams is going to be um, entering, I think, if I'm not mistaken, the final year of his contract this year. Uh, so do you want to go ahead and get his eventual replacement? But I see a name at the top that I want to go ahead and lock down. If you'll, uh, go ahead and click that tight end button. I'm going to go ahead and lock down Luke Shoemaker here at 121 for the Jags. Um there are so many good tight ends in this draft uh, from the top to like the fifth round. There are guys that can be impactful. Uh, Shoemaker, uh, Tyler Kraft, Zach Kuntz, the guys at the top like Michael Mayer, uh, Darnell Washington, Sam Laporta. I mean, there's so many guys that I'm a huge tight end guy. I coach tight ends. So, so I love the position. Um, but, you know, go ahead and lock down Shoemaker here early in the fourth round. Uh, he's going to come in and do a lot of things well. And uh, if you don't get that extension locked down with Evan Ingram, then you've got a really good guy to take over the next year as his replacement. Yeah, I think the uh, I think that you know any of the tight ends, any of the top, there's there's about eight of them that really deserve to go between rounds two and four. Um, and I think Shoemaker, you know, you look at the guys, all of them have elite RASs. And I think that Shoemaker really makes sense here for Jacksonville. You don't need him to be a, a like a, a day one impact player, um, but he certainly got that that type of athleticism um, and, and is certainly probably better than Luke Farrell. So I'm I'm very happy with the pick. If you can get a uh, you know a guy who's going to see the field consistently, semi consistently for for the Jaguars in the fourth round, I think that that's a, a great get. Um, so now I'm at 127. I've got uh, 
Travis Hodges Tomlinson from TCU. Got some running backs here. Got some uh, got some really good receivers. Parker Washington, who mm-hmm. I like out of Penn State. Xavier Hutchinson, Kendra mm-hmm. Miller, Dwayne McBride. Jags uh, like McBride. They're having a top 30 visit scheduled with him. I love Riley Moss. I love Dorian Williams, the linebacker out of Tulane, uh, especially in this uh, linebacker class. It's a little bit of a um, – unorthodox class in which a lot of the guys are pass rusher hybrids you're looking at ivan pace you're looking at drew sanders um and dorian williams has the athleticism and the uh, traditional off-ball linebacker play to to really be an impact player in this class and one of the better linebackers true linebackers um but i spoke about one of those hybrid guys and that's what i'm going to take here at 127 i'm going to take nick herbig who's uh Edge rusher, linebacker hybrid out of Wisconsin. Um, kind of fills two needs. It does. Uh, you know, the Jaguars linebacker play, as much as much uh, investment as they put into it, the, this past offseason signing uh, Foyer and drafting two linebackers fairly high on the draft in Chad Muma and Devin Lloyd. Linebacker play was still – Weak at times last year, you know, Foyer led the NFL in tackles and, and did really well in uh, in run defense, but the Jaguars had one of the weakest uh, linebacker coverage um, successes in the NFL. They they gave up a, a 122 passer rating, I believe. Uh, so looking, looking to add some pass rushing help here on the edge, a little bit of a lighter guy, but a, a guy who can move well on space. And I think that uh, he, he's definitely a good get here at 127. So now um, we're going to wait a minute. Uh, The Jags do not have a fifth-round pick this year. Uh, That was sent to Atlanta for Calvin Ridley, kind of the lesser of the two picks. Uh, You know, the future pick they'll get from us um, has some attachments to it as far as incentives for uh, if Calvin Ridley was reinstated, so it automatically bumped up one. Um, Does he sign an extension, which I hope he does, and that would make – you know, the pick go up to a second rounder, but, you know, no fifth rounder this year, but well worth it to have Calvin Ridley. So the next pick I'm going to be making is at 185 in the sixth round. All right, so looking back at what we uh, – at the work we've done so far, um, we've taken Brian Branch from Bama to play nickel at 24, Cody Motch to slide into the left guard spot at 56 at North Dakota State. Javon Dexter, defensive lineman from Florida at 88. Uh, with our two fourth-round picks, we landed Luke Schoonmaker, tight end from Michigan, and Nick Herbig, uh, linebacker from Wisconsin. All right, so we haven't truly addressed edge yet, um, even though uh, Herbig can do some of those things. Um, you know, I'm looking at some receivers – Uh, here that you know maybe haven't had the best res bryce ford wheaton though had close to a 10 i know he had like a 986 i believe so So, did andre uh eosivas from from yeah from princeton he also did extremely well today in testing Uh, i like i like Payne durham the the tight end out of purdue a good bit ricky strombig stromberg would be a guy i really liked um mcclendon curtis be another guy i loved but we've already addressed interior offensive line here uh, so if you go back up to the top about what's available here at 185, uh, at the top you have cornerback Alex Austin at Oregon State, edge rusher Ali Gay from LSU, receiver Rakeem Jarrett out of Maryland. Um, I love Ali Gay. I'm tempted to push the button on him here, but I have fears of Caleb Von Chase on, of you know, a really, really athletic guy who maybe didn't have a ton of production at LSU. Um so what I'm thinking here is, man, I'm torn between four guys. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and add to our receiver depth, and I'm going to go with Raheem Jarrett from Maryland, uh, which will land me my first A grade, A plus. How about that? Uh, <laughs> I didn't get a lot of those in school, so I'm 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 pumped. Um, so here's the deal about receiver. Uh, for the Jags, Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, you know, top 15 guys. Uh, Ridley can be top 10 when he's when he's on his game. 
Zay Jones is a, is a huge playmaker. Marvin Jones is gone. The Jaguars actually don't have very good receiver depth, if you're, if you're being honest. We have guys at the top, but, like, then you get into, like, Tim Jones and guys like that. Uh, so, Rakeem Jarrett can come in, be a depth guy, doesn't have to play right away because he's not needed, can help out on special teams and also add some additional uh, playmakers for Trevor, a guy that you can feel good about helping out when he's needed to be called upon. Uh, so I feel good about that chick, uh, about that pick. It was kind of a toss-up between him and uh, Bell from Michigan. Uh, but Bell's RAS wasn't very good. So, you know, me and you are both kind of big RAS guys. So I'm going to go with uh, Jarrett from Maryland there and earn my first A-plus pick of the draft. Yeah, I'm, I, uh, you know, I know the Jaguars signed uh, Jernis Johnson, but I'm, I'm taking a peek here at running backs. We've got Muhammad Ibrahim, Keaton Mitchell, two guys that I really like. Offensive tackle, you got some playmakers here. Jackson Kirkland's still available. A couple of years ago, he was really sought after, and, and people thought that he was going to be one of the top tackles available in the draft. Warren McClendon from Georgia. Uh, Richard Grange from Florida. Uh, those are three guys that, that I'm intrigued by. Not really looking at offense otherwise. Um, going back to some corner and secondary help, we've got uh, Darrell Luter Jr. from South Alabama. Um, some guys that I'm not as familiar with, like Terrell well, Smith. Jags like Terrell Smith. Minnesota. I saw that. Say. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think that's where I'm going to go, Terrell Smith. I know I know they've been linked to him. They like him. Um, so I'm going to get I'm going to get us some more corner help here. I think that he's he's definitely going to surplant and and probably replace the two corners we drafted last year in the seventh round. Uh, so I'm going to go to uh, Terrell Smith uh, corner, Minnesota at 202. All right. So now we are back to me uh, here in the sixth round again at pick 208. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a selection that's going to create uh, – oh, the Princeton receiver still sitting there. I wish I wouldn't have taken one already. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create some camp competition. Uh, if you'll go up to the top and you'll click that little K. Jake Moody from Michigan, who is uh, one of the top-ready kickers in this year's draft, he was – 29 of 35 this year at Michigan. Uh, he was a perfect 10 of 10, under 40 yards, uh, 7 of 8 from 40 to 49, 3 of 7 from 50-plus with a long of 59. Uh, was perfect 60 for 60 on his extra points. Um, he was 23 of 25 as a junior uh, with a long of 52. Again, perfect on extra points. Um, has not missed an extra point in his college career uh, in a five-year stretch. Um, look, Riley Patterson was great, all right, uh, especially down the stretch. You know, he bounced back and finished really, really well. But uh, I don't care that I got a C-plus rating. Mock draft database, don't tell me how to live. Um, I'm creating some camp competition because, as you and I both know, your favorite college football team and my favorite college football team have both in the past two drafts produced really good kickers with Evan McPherson and Cade York. Right, and so drafting a kicker is no longer taboo. It is now um, looked on as a necessary move. It is not looked down upon anymore. We have an excellent punter. So add Jake Moody to the room for kicker and let him and Riley battle it out up until the final cut day and see who your guy ends up being. So I don't, I don't feel bad at all about that pick at 208, especially considering that we don't we, we filled most every hole at this point in the draft. Yeah. I, he was in consideration for, for me at two Oh two. So I'm glad that you, uh, you nabbed him there at, at two Oh eight. And I've already, I've already keyed in on my guy and uh, keying in is a little bit of a hint. It's going to be Keith Mitchell from East Carolina. He, uh, you know, we signed Darnus Johnson today, uh, but Keith Mitchell is, is much more flashier, sexier player. Um, than Darius Johnson, he uh, can really give us some some play similar to what Etienne does. Um, 
but is going to be a guy that can play on special teams as well and can, and can fight for a roster spot at the running back position. I by no means think that we're set at running back. I think that there's there's still work to be done behind Etienne. And uh, and I think that, that competition, and I got another A+. plus. How many is that for me now? One, two, three. I'll take that. Your first, your first one was just an A. You can't yeah. count it as a plus. I got one B. I got one B plus with Nick Kirby. Um, so I, I think that we had a really solid draft here. Um, you know, we, we got weapons on offense and Luke Shoemaker, um, Ricky Jarrett, and uh, Keith Keep Mitchell. It. We got some O-line play here with Cody Mock. We got some corner help with Brian Branch and Terrell Smith. Got a kicker for competition with uh, Riley Patterson. And then uh, we got some edge help here uh, and defensive line help with Javon Dexter and Nick, Nick Herbig. So I think that we covered all the areas the Jaguars need. Um, it, it, the Jaguars draft will hopefully look something similar to this, probably different names, obviously, but uh, and in different orders of positions. But I think that this is probably going to be fairly reminiscent of what will come uh, late next month. Yeah, so I think we drafted the way that good teams draft. You know, first two picks, you most likely drafted two starters, all right, which if you only need to address like two positions of, of starting value in the draft, then I think you're usually a pretty good team. Uh, so you expect Brian Branch to start day one at nickel corner. You expect Cody Motch to push very hard to be your starting left guard uh, game one. But then you get into what makes good teams good teams is you start adding valuable depth, not bottom of the roster depth, guys that are going to be in the rotation. Um, you would expect Luke Shoemaker to play a ton um, in, you know, uh, 12 personnel. Uh, Javon Dexter, you would expect to play a lot early. Uh, Especially and, on early downs. Good yeah, and, and then uh, a guy like Nick Herbig, probably an ace on special teams right away. Uh, and then – rotational pass rusher um and then you get into guys like bottom of the roster as far as like early contributions uh, of rakeem jarrett terrell smith and keaton mitchell probably come on special teams uh and then jake moody could very well beat out riley patterson uh and give you another kicker on a rookie deal uh, that you would have locked in for four years um just having stability at that position um, you know, 2021, we all remember having like six different kickers. And then last year, um, we didn't really know who our kicker was going to be until the season started. Uh, and then Riley Patterson ends up having a very solid year by the time it was over. Made very big kicks. The kick to beat the Chargers comes to mind. Uh, so I think we drafted the way good teams do. Um, and th this sounds weird to say as a Jaguars fan, but based on the last two years, I have a decent amount of confidence in Trent Baalke's early draft picks. Like, I expect, like, to have some, some positive feelings of his first three picks. And then when we get into the fourth round, the bets are kind of off with, uh, with Trent. Uh, but I like the way, since he's been the general manager, I like the way he's drafted early. I think he'll continue to add really good talent. I don't think he's going to go totally – I think he's smart enough that he's not going to go out of the box totally at 24. He's not going to draft some surprise pick. I think it's going to be one of these, like, you and I talked off air. It's probably going to be one of, like, four people, maybe five. It's going to be Brian Branch, Osiris Torrance, uh, Deontay Banks, Cam Smith, uh, and maybe Dewan Jones. If it's not one of those five, unless we trade up or a miracle fall happens, I'd be very surprised if it's not one of those five people. Um, now, could we go up and get Nolan Smith? Could we go up and get uh, Joey Porter Jr.? Sure. But if we hold tight at 24, I expect one of those five people to be the pick. And so, you know, I think we did a great job. I think they should hire us immediately to be scouts. And we should just get to travel the country on their dime together all fall and just watch college football and write on our little notepads what we think about people like Cody Motch, because I personally – would love to go to North Dakota State and watch a football game. Uh, so sign us up for that, Jaguars. Uh, at Daniel Griffiths, please hire us and let us um, tell you who you should draft every year.
Before we go, I wanted to ask you a question, and I'll answer it first to give you time to to kind of figure out who you want to answer the question with. Um, but of the guys that you selected here, uh, who's your favorite? Is the one that uh, that that makes you you know is is one of your guys? You know, and you have hope um, and, and uh, maybe some confidence in drafting. I'll answer first. I'm gonna go with Javon Dexter. Um, Coming in a few months ago, I, I was a little concerned about Dexter. A lot of people coming into the 2022 season had high, really high hopes for Dexter. And at one point, was he was supposed to go in the first round, late first round. And that didn't really work that way. The Gators kind of had a down year. Javon Dexter saw a lot of play time um, on, on a not-so-great Gators defensive line last year. Um, and he didn't produce the way that many people thought. He's not quite the most... Uh, refined pass rusher but as a run defender this dude's massive um and if you keep up with the combine you'll know that he had one of the best combines for a defensive lineman uh while they were in indianapolis so uh i think he's a guy that will be a much better pro than he was in college um maybe not dissimilarly to a guy like brian berzee even though i think they're completely different players but a guy that will likely be a much better pro um than he will as a uh, than he was in college. Uh, so my my guy is is Javon Dexter. I would be stoked to pick him at eighty eight. I don't think he'll be there, um, but if he is, I hope the Jaguars are sprinting that card up. Yeah, uh, for me, it would be easy to say Cody Motch just because he's a big, long haired, missing teeth individual, which is my kind of football player. Uh, but for me, I'm gonna go with, with probably my favorite position in football which is tight end. Uh, Luke Shoemaker is my favorite pick that I made. Uh, I think the tight end position is something that we really have to address. We don't have a choice. Uh, last year, you had four tight ends on your active roster. You had Evan Ingram, Chris Manhurts, uh, Dan Arnold, and Luke Farrell. Uh, now, as it stands, you have one of those guys coming back on the franchise tag, one on his rookie contract, and two of them are gone. Uh, Chris Manhurts signed with Denver. And Dan Arnold is still out there. And you've seen that the free agent tight end market is not really hot. It's been a lot of one-year prove-it deals for a lot of guys that have been considered top tight ends. Guys like Mike Desicki and Dalton Schultz are signing one-year kind of prove-it deals, similar to what Evan Ingram did last offseason. Uh, so the Jaguars really need to address tight end in this draft, um, unless they have something up their sleeve to sign one between now and then, which I doubt. Um, but I don't expect us to be players early. I don't expect Michael Mayer. I don't expect Dalton Kincaid. I don't expect uh, Darnell Washington, Luke Musgrave, or Sam Laporta. I expect our shot at a tight end to be about that Tucker Craft, Luke Shoemaker, Zach Kuntz, um, Eric. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, Josh Wiley, maybe, uh, you know, Dane Parham. Brenton Strange, maybe, but I don't think it'll be that late. You know, I think Doug values that position, uh, as we've seen throughout his tenure as a head coach in the NFL. Um, but it's a tight end. It's, tight end's a position we have to address. And you cut on the tape, and and Luke's real good. Um, you know, playing in an extremely tough conference, probably the second toughest conference in the country, in the Big Ten. A tight end uh, conference, too. Yeah, and it's a tight end conference. I mean, they're producing Sam Laporta in this draft. I mean, so they've got a couple guys that are uh, well thought of. So I'm the most happy with landing Shoemaker strictly because not only is it a position of need, um, you're not drafting a guy there strictly to fill a need. You're drafting a really good football player. And, you know, and like we said, uh, you know, he's a 9-8-6 RAS. Um, you know, ran a four six three, you know, which you'll take out of a out of a big tight end body. Um, you know, good hands, played extremely well for Michigan this past year. Uh, you know, I I'd, honestly I have a list of about six tight ends I'd be happy with, and he's definitely on my list. Uh, he's on my wish list for the Jaguars, uh, which involves a couple other tight ends also, which I'd be happy with. Uh, but that's my favorite pick. For, for multiple reasons. It fills a need, and it's an exciting player. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with Schumacher until uh, until the combine, and then he blew it up, and I was like, oh, 
okay, need to go check this guy out. Same with Zach Koontz, who I wasn't familiar with coming out of Old Dominion. Um, but yeah, I, I think that the Jaguars definitely target uh, a tight end late day two or late day three um, with one of their three picks in the third and fourth round. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Shoemaker is one of the guys that the Jaguars end up taking. Um, so I, I think we did fairly well there. I think I, I think we got I think we got starters and depth players on O line and defense, um, and I think that we we set the Jaguars up fairly well for the future. I don't think we made any any ridiculous picks. I uh, I also wanted to avoid taking guys that aren't, just aren't going to be there. Um, you know, if Anthony Richardson's there at twenty four, surely someone about, will trade for us to take that pick, huh? <laughs> I, I, that would be wild. Uh, same with like, it'd be so hard if Bijan was there at 24 just to be like, not to. Now, <laughs> that would be so fun. Will Levis might be there at 24. Correct. I wouldn't be, I, yeah. Somebody might come get him. I'm th- I'm thinking he goes late, ten, uh, late, late, like seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. Yeah. And it might be a trade up type thing maybe uh maybe tampa or detroit yeah detroit detroit needs to start thinking about life after golf because they've got 18 yeah they they gotta start just he's very expensive and i get that Uh, and he's still pretty young by you know most standards um but they have to start thinking that way um, does Detroit take a shot on Hendon Hooker? And the reason I say that they could possibly take the shot on Hooker is because, one, they have a quarterback for right now, and they're building a really good roster for that it really maybe wouldn't matter that Hendon Hooker is already 25 years old to where, okay, his, his knee's still banged up. Say he becomes your starter at 27. If you have a really, really good roster built with a good head coach that – those players seem to very much like in Dan Campbell. Could you be satisfied with starting a 27-year-old quarterback that could still give you f- six years of high-level football, seven years, and go on like a really good stretch in a division that is ever-changing? Green Bay is, you know, literally about to trade off one of their best players in franchise history. Um, Minnesota – is going to have to face a decision before too long with Kirk Cousins. And we're still not entirely sure what Justin Fields is going to be, even though I expect him to be very good for a while. Uh, so Detroit makes a lot of sense, my friend, and, that, and that's a good uh, team to throw out there. Um, what about the Titans? The Titans have to start thinking about life after Tannehill. I hope they don't. I hope they turn to Malik Willis and we beat them twice a year for the next decade. Even though I love Malik Willis, I just haven't – I don't see it yet but I'm not saying it's not there. Um, but they have a decision. The Titans are at a weird spot. Uh, at the beginning of the season, offseason, I kind of saw them as sellers, thinking that their run was over. Um, but they've made some moves to kind of stay relevant. I mean, Sean Murphy bunting. Um, Arden who, Key. Antoine, Arden uh, Key. Dillard. Uh, uh, Dillard. I mean, they've added some veteran starter-level talent to kind of signal that they're not going quietly into the night. Um, now is Derek Henry still on the table? Was that ever really maybe true? I don't think really that it was unless they really got a great offer, which nobody's going to trade much for a ungently used running back at this point with his, uh, with his, uh, cap number, especially with his cap number. Um, and in a, in an NFL where you can get a starting caliber running back for very cheap. Um, you know, James Robinson is a starting caliber running back. He was cheap for the Patriots. Jamal Williams is a very good running back, and he was cheap for the Saints. He only got three years, $18 million. Uh, Miles Sanders is very good. He was very cheap for Carolina. Uh, so teams are going to look at Derrick Henry and realize that he is very talented, but probably not worth giving up draft capital to eat. Uh, I believe like a, it's like a $16 maybe million dollar cap hit is what he's got. Um, yeah, it's, it's a high number. So I expect him to be back in Tennessee. Now, how how well he plays when uh, Javon Dexter is bullying him this year is going to be interesting. Uh, but the Titans, the sun is starting to set on the Titans. 
Um, and it's just starting to rise, luckily, on Jacksonville. Uh, and you would believe that it is probably starting to rise again on Indy and Houston, who are going to have new quarterbacks and a lot to be excited about. Um, so Tennessee's got to start thinking because, you know, if I'm Mike Variable, if I'm the leadership there, I see Bryce Young, I see probably Anthony Richardson, and I see Trevor Lawrence, and I see Ryan Tannehill. And so he's not going to put a lot of butts in the seats and his ability to manage games and win games, that's eventually going to dry up. Uh, it may not be 2023, but in this league, it comes quick. I mean, how many quarterbacks have we seen that have been very good game managers, but eventually things slow down for them to where they're not able to manage games anymore. Yeah. Look at Derek Carr, Andy Dalton. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of instances of that. And especially for a decaying roster that Tennessee has, I mean, they, I I've, I have liked the pieces that they've added. Um, I love what Houston's doing right now. Um, you know, add, adding D'Amico Ryan's, I thought that he was one of the better head coaching candidates available. Um, so I, I think that it's going to be really interesting to see what Tennessee does if they go offensive tackle. That secondary needs help. Uh, they did add Sean Murphy Bunting. They added Dillard. Um, so we'll see what they do. They, they they could be a spot where they take a receiver. They take an offensive tackle. They take a secondary piece. They could take a D lineman or an edge rusher. Um, and they could take a quarterback. So Tennessee is going to be a really interesting spot. And I think it could be a turning point for the draft in the sense that really everything is available on the table for them. Um, simply because of they've got some really nice players on the roster, but they're a little bit more they're a little bit older and aging out and an un, a, a uh, untested secondary with a bunch of young players who have been injured the last few years, offensive line needs rework. Um, you know, they're still trying to find the pieces to fill the void that AJ Brown left. So I, I think that Tennessee's a, a, an interesting spot in the draft early on. Uh, if one of the quarterback falls, is that where they go? Does Tennessee try to trade up? Um, so I think that that's going to be a spot, but uh, I think the Jaguars are in a really good spot here at 24. I think that there will be multiple players on the board that we don't expect necessarily to be there right now. Um, you know, whether that's a, a Lucas Van Ness or, uh, you know, Deontay Banks. Um, so I think that the Jaguars are in a good spot. I think that they definitely have the ability, this draft, uh, to be flexible. It doesn't sound like Trent Balke is necessarily open to that as of right now or the last time we heard from him, but things change rapidly in the NFL. Um, you know, as, as you know, Trayvon Walker at this time last year uh, wasn't projected to be the first round pick. And then all of a sudden it was like, okay, Jacksonville is taking this guy. It's like, okay, the NFL, the entire NFL had to kind of, you know, uh, change, change their uh, viewpoint on who was going to be available. Detroit ended up taking Aiden Hutchinson, who they originally thought wasn't going to be there as the rest of the world did. Um, so as we get closer to the draft, we'll get a, a better feel for what's going to happen here. And I think that uh, that here in a few weeks, we'll have a, a really good idea of, of what, who's going to be available there at 24. Um, and as we get closer, we will probably do a mock draft before, full first round mock draft before the end of this thing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the league's in transition and luckily the Jaguars are on the, on the, on the, on the good part of the scale there when it comes to that. Um, you know, if the 2022 quarterback draft wasn't so bad, you could almost make an argument that we're in, like, the best, best stretch of QBs in draft in, in a very long time. If you look at the 2020 class, the 2021 class, and then this class coming up. Now, 2022 was an anomaly because it was terrible, and Kenny Pickett was the only first-round pick. But, like, you look, Burrow, Herbert, Tua, Lawrence – uh, Fields, Lance, Wilson, Mack, then you have 2022, and then this year, Bryce Levis, Anthony Richardson, and C.J. Stroud. I mean, so, like, the league's changing with all these quarterbacks going in the top ten. Mm -hmm. uh, players are getting phased out. Uh, teams have decisions to make about what their future is. And, like, we're sitting here, you know, on – it's it's March 23rd where I'm at. It's March 24th where you're at. Um, but we have a quarterback. That's good and getting better. We have a head coach that is a proven winner. We have a lot of really good talent. Um, we're continuing to add to that by drafting well early on. Uh, so we're on the good part of the scale for where the NFL is heading. But, uh, you know, we're in a division where there's going to be a lot of 
newness. Uh, you know, like we said, Tennessee's got a decision to make. Uh, Houston and you're both about to have new quarterbacks that are going to be rookies. Uh, so, how you know, how that turns out is always a question mark, no matter how highly touted or not highly touted you are coming out of college. Uh, so, you know, at 24, we should be able to get a very impactful player. Uh, we'll do another one of these closer to the draft. Uh, tomorrow will be 34 days away uh, from, to me, the most fun sporting event on, on, on the planet other than the World Cup. Uh, but we get it every year instead of every four. So uh, it's plenty to be excited about. We're going to get Brian Branch and Javon Dexter, and they're going to get be the difference that finally puts us over the hump to shut down Kansas City. So it's going to be a lot of fun going forward. With that, I think we will call it a night. Um, you know, I think that uh, as draft gets closer, I think that all 32 uh, franchises and their fans get more excited as for what's to come. That's that's the beauty about the NFL draft is there's so much mystery and the amount of buildup. It's it's twelve literally twelve months of buildup for one single event, a three day event uh, every year, um, and it really is the most hopeful that really half the league can be um, in a year. And luckily, uh, we're we're a team that uh, has a lot to look forward to, and not just because of the NFL draft. But uh, with that, I will. Uh, I will call it a podcast, my friend, and we will be back in a week. As always, Duvalta, we bye.